Today's reading of the Holy Gospel according to Matthew, the seventh chapter in Matthew's Gospel. Uh, These are the words of Christ speaking to us. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on rock. The rain fell, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. Now when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were astounded at his teaching, because he taught them as one having authority and not as their scribes. Brothers and sisters, this is the gospel of our Lord. Amen. So there you heard it. Jesus speaking, I think like some of us might remember moms and dads speaking to us. Are you letting this go in one ear and out the other? Are you listening to what I'm doing? Haven't you done what I told you to do? Jesus says it's not just hearing the word, but it's actually doing it to put into practice what we learn from him. You see, God's word is not just a bunch of theories, but it is truth, actual truth, truth that we are to put into practice as we do the word in daily living. We heard Tim read from Hebrews. In that letter, Christians of Jewish ancestry are reminded of many things. Uh, God's call to faithfulness, even in the midst of suffering and persecution, which early Christians experienced intensely. And a reminder to them who of uh, Jewish ancestry uh, knew the prophets, that even the prophets of the Hebrew people all pointed forward to the supreme and perfect gift of the Messiah, the Anointed One, who is Jesus And in this particular part of the letter to the Hebrew Christians, we learn some important and essential things about God's word that I submit to you resonate beautifully, even more beautifully than our musicians are resonating this morning, that resonate with what we hear from Jesus and Matthew about not just hearing the word but doing it. Now, this image of the word surprises many people who are new to the Christian faith and new to the word of God. It is described as a sword. And that's a weapon, isn't it? Not just any sword. But the word of God is sharper than a two-edged sword. Think about that. You may have never held a two-edged sword, but when you think about it, it, it cuts both ways, does it not? Up, down, left, right. This sword, this word of God, is law and gospel. And it is important, friends in Christ, it is essential that you and I, if we are to be mature in our faith, and if we are to share the faith that is in us with those who don't know Jesus, it is essential that we recognize and understand the difference between law and gospel when it comes to the Word of God, because they are not the same. They are all, they are both the Word of God, but they are different. They have different functions. 
It's important that we understand this when we speak of our life in Christ and share the good news of Jesus Christ with other people. The law of God is one thing. It is a good and holy and righteous thing. But the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ, is another thing entirely. They are not identical. And when we confuse the two, all kinds of spiritual trouble, all kinds of problems will arise. So think about that sword. Think about the word with two edges, two functions, if you will. First of all, the word of God judges us. You heard Tim reading those strong words from Hebrews. It is so sharp that it cuts to the core. It exposes us for who we really are. This is the power of God's law. Nothing about us is hidden from God's sight. His word penetrates, his word reveals more powerfully, more accurately than any x-ray, MRI, or ultrasound. Oh, we may pretend to be someone or something other than who we really are when we're at work, when we're hanging out with friends, when we're people at school. We may even succeed in hiding the truth about ourselves from others. But we can't get away with that before God. His word reveals who we truly are. His word reveals the naked truth about us, you could say. And no one, no creature can escape the Lord's total knowledge about us, our past, our secrets, our innermost thoughts and desires, none of this is hidden to God. Thinking on that edge of the sword, that function of the word which is law, Martin Luther, I think, rightly pointed out that uh, the law actually has kind of two different aspects. He wrote in 1537, uh, the law was given by God, first of all, to uh, maintain order, to restrain sin by threats and fear of punishment, but that the chief and higher function of the law is to reveal our sin and show to us what utter depths our nature has fallen. So when most people think of the law, they think of Ten Commandments. Do you know them? We've been talking about this for years. Say them with me, please. I am the Lord your God. You shall have no other gods. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Honor your father and your mother. I said, say them with me. You shall not kill. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, manservant, maidservant, cattle, or anything that is your neighbor's. I know you were quiet because you just wanted to see if I could do it. (laughs) These Ten Commandments given by God, these laws, as Luther pointed out, have a first and second use. Imagine a world where there were no laws, where there was no order. Imagine a world in which people lied about each other freely, killed one another without consequence, robbed one another without concern, hated their parents, dishonored God, did not acknowledge the sanctity of marriage. So Luther is correct. These commandments have a first use, and that is to provide order, good order, order that is pleasing to God and a blessing to all. 
Now, some of you know that just Friday morning, a young man who lives two doors up the street from me was shot and killed as he got in his car to go to work. Our part of the neighborhood was blocked off until almost 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Police officers everywhere, detectives, CSI personnel, in that hot sun. We let them come in our house to use the restroom, give them water, provide them lunch. God bless them for doing their difficult work. Reporters were everywhere, and neighbors were speaking of their shock, their disbelief, their fear. Kirsten and I, at the tender young age of 59, are some of the youngest people in our neighborhood. And folks who've been living there since the 70s said that they uh, had never seen such a thing happen like this before. Well, thank God they'd never seen such a thing like this before in these 40-plus years. Imagine a neighborhood. Imagine your street where something like this took place every day. That would be hellish, would it not? Imagine where you had to live in fear, just going out the door to go to work, go to breakfast, go to play around golf. So there's the first use of the law. You shall not kill. But there is a second use of these very same commandments. And I don't know about you, but whenever I think about the Ten Commandments, I'm reminded of how I have fallen short and missed the mark. They make me realize that no matter how hard I try, I still am in need of God's grace every day of my life, and I cannot make myself holy by perfect obedience to God's law because I sin. I am a sinner, and I think I'm in really good company this morning. Should we have a show of hands of how many of you took the Lord's name in vain this last week? Unfaithfulness to your spouse? Uh, Should we have a show of hands of how many times we've not honored the Sabbath day to keep it holy by just showing up for worship? Uh, Should we have people volunteer all the times they have uh, spread rumors and participated in nasty gossip about coworkers and classmates and neighbors? So it's the second use of the law that calls us to repentance, to confess to God, to seek his mercy. For only in him is there hope of renewal and restoration. Dr. Phil Williams put it this way when it comes to the law and the gospel. The law, he said, is the light that reveals how dirty the room is, but it is not the broom that sweeps it clean. That broom, if you will, is the grace of God. And were it not for that other side of the sword, the gospel, the good news of Jesus, unearned, undeserved grace, you and I would have no place to turn when the law rightly convicts us of our sin. We can rejoice that the law is not the only side of God's word. That other edge is pure love and mercy. It is gospel. It is amazing grace. God knows everything about us. We are naked before him, and yet he loves us. God rightfully judges us, one and all, as sinners in need of cleansing. And then sinners like you and me are invited. Did you hear this? 
to come before the throne of grace, not cowering in fear, but to come before God in boldness, knowing that Christ is for us and not against us. Here's the resonance between Hebrews and our reading from Matthew. The gospel speaks of law and gospel as well. Jesus says, here's a way to live that is good for you and pleasing to God. Do the word. Live according to my example and God's grace. Because God loves us and doesn't want our lives, our spiritual homes, to come crashing down in a sea of selfishness and sin and arrogance and I know what's best for me. But here's that other side of the sword. Well, you have the freedom to ignore the word. You can turn your back on God. He'll let you do that. You can live according to your own desire. And rest assured, your life will become a mess. So what kind of spiritual house are you building? What is the foundation of your life? Jesus wants you to build on him, the loving, faithful, solid rock. I am honored and blessed to speak with people of all ages, but particularly younger people whose parents my age thought they were doing their children a wonderful favor. I've heard this so many times, I mean, it's almost predictable. Baby boomer parents saying, you know, mom and dad made me go to church every day. And I'm not going to do that to my kids. I'm going to let them choose for themselves. And so I meet the children of these baby boomers, and they're not bad people. But most of them don't know the difference between a Buddhist and a Baptist because mom and dad didn't give them any compass, any true north, any grounding. And so some of these young people say, well, now that I'm reading the Bible, Pastor, I'm not liking it because I read certain things and it makes me feel guilty. Good. If God's word points out a particular sin or shortcoming in your life, then that edge of the sword is working on you. Good. You should feel guilty if you're doing things that displease your father in heaven. But then I'll talk to some of those same young people and they'll say, sometimes I read about Jesus and I'm just in awe that God would do that for me. I don't deserve Jesus taking my place on the cross. I feel so unworthy. And then I say, good. You are unworthy. And so am I. Completely unworthy. This gospel, this beautiful edge of the sword is love for sinners like you and me. Jesus' willingness to die for our sake, it's a pure gift. We don't deserve it. We can't earn it. That's why it's called grace. And living in the power of grace and the knowledge of mercy's gift, we now have this freedom, you see, to think about, pray on, and then put into practice what God desires for us. The law, which has the functions that Luther rightly pointed out, 
now, instead of simply convicting us of sin, can become, through our freedom in Christ, the very thing we desire. Not because we're trying to make ourselves holy, but because we've been made free in Christ to now set our minds on the things that are God-pleasing. C.S. Lewis says it better than I could ever hope to. So I'll close with a quote from him in Mere Christianity. He's describing you, if you are in Christ. The Christian, you see, is in a different position from other people who are trying to be good. They hope by being good to please God if there is one, or if they think there is no God, at least they hope to deserve approval from others. But the Christian thinks that any good he does comes from Christ living inside of him. He does not believe God will love us because we're good, but that God is making us good because he loves us. To have faith in Christ means, of course, trying to do what Jesus says. There would be no sense in saying you trusted a person if you would not take his advice. So if you have really handed yourself over to Jesus, it follows that you're trying to obey him. But trying in a new way, a less worried way, not doing these things in order to be saved, but because God has begun to save you already. Not hoping to get to heaven as a reward for your actions, but wanting to act in a certain way because the first faint gleam of heaven is already shining on you. Let us pray. Merciful Father, mighty Holy Spirit, most compassionate Jesus, we praise you today for the love with which you love us, in which you've rooted us, and by which you are transforming us. It took the whole Trinity to redeem us And it will take the whole trinity for us to live this life of love to which you've called us. So let us rightly hear your holy gospel. That we might be filled with joy and peace. That we might grieve the things we do and say that grieve the Holy Spirit. Without that other edge of your word, without your law convicting us of sin... We would seek to justify the ways we love so poorly, always blaming others, blaming others for our bad attitudes, for our graceless manners. Father, we don't want to live just hearing the word. We don't want to live with just a theoretical idea of being your beloved sons and daughters. Let it be real, very real, very humbling. Help us to do the word through the power of your lavish love. Fill us. Fill our hearts. Fill our homes with this love. Show us again and again your great love for us in Jesus. Amen.